Their job now is to sanctify the social order, to sanctify the world. That's where the power of the laity lies. You can know it all you want, but until you got to pick up that cross that you can't carry, and he picks it up for you and carries you and the cross, then you know. Our nation is too full of those that are crying down. Down with the churches. Down with government. Can you build anything down? You cannot. And let's begin now to use the word up. Up from all of this filth. Up from this violence. Up from this indifference of courts. Up, up, up to God. Be courageous and keep the joy of loving. Welcome to another episode of Cajun Kingdom of Priests. This is Reed. This is Jude. And this is Father John Joseph. And we have a very special friend, a very special guest here today to talk to us and hang out with us and clown around with us. <laughs> uh, we got Dustin Bertrand here today. How y'all doing today? Hey, doing uh, good, man. Doing good, man. Thank y'all for having me. Yeah, it's, it's a blessing to have you over here. We've talked about it for... For a while at Reds, you know, we'll both like begin to work out in and during our during our breaks instead of it being a you know a thirty second rest, it ended up being like a ten minute conversation. Just talking about God, yeah. That's how those thirty second rests actually go. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, oh, time's up. I gotta leave now. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. we'll work stop working out. <laughs> but but it's great to have you on, man. Um, Thanks. Did y'all know that me and Dustin were in seminary together? What? Mm. No, I didn't know. Wow. <laughs> Early. Early yes. on, yeah. That's why I'm so holy. Wow. Yeah, yeah, they, they formed y'all right. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, what, 2000? Yeah, I entered in 2011. Is that when you were? No, two years after you was there. Okay. Wow. So, so is that when Matt started, Matt Ardwin? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Two, August of 2013. August of 2013. Wow. So y'all were all so I was in minor seminary year. together. Y'all were all. Pretty yeah. Much. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, we were at St. Ben's. Correct. And um, I guess that would have been my last year. Yeah. 100%. You were, you were definitely older in the academic, I guess you can say, vein of. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of uh, Father Brent Smith. Dubak, uh, Father Dubak, uh, Shoe, Shoe, Father Shoe, yep, Connor, <laughs> Poirier, Plessa, uh. um, Tussier, uh, who else? Yeah, yeah, uh, Matt Abraham. Well, well, yeah, well, Father Matt was a little older, but yeah. that's a great yeah. class. That's uh, I see, I see that class of priests or seminarians. I mean, even the people who didn't become priests, like doing some really serious work in God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. So, like, fun, some- funny story the person that was mad the most. Of me discerning out of the priesthood was Father Shu's mom. <laughs> because, no, this is funny. Because we were supposed to go play in a national uh, seminary basketball tournament. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and me and Shu and the whole team had worked so hard and we were going to be really good. And like I had learned all the plays because I was the point guard. And I bailed two weeks ago. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, that's okay. Sorry, miss you. Yeah. Wow. I could see that uh, like affecting your prayer. You know, God's like calling you out of the seminary. He's like, oh, but I got the basketball game in two weeks. Hey, don't clown. Because <laughs> I literally almost stayed just for another two weeks. <laughs> just to go on the plane trip to the basketball that's tournament. Okay. Just to be on Miss Pam Dar's good side. Full disclosure, I almost did that. That's yeah. awesome. really Wow. So, um, so uh, it would be great to just... Um, to get us started with some background of you like you know where'd you grow up and you know were you always catholic was that always a part of the routine was that always part of the life and you know how it 
got to this point. All right, so I guess I would say I always identified as Catholic. Uh, <laughs> born and raised in Abbeville, Louisiana. Uh, I went to school at uh, Mount Carmel Vermillion Catholic High School. Uh, graduated there in 2008. And um, I don't know, pretty simple life, I guess you can say. Uh, uh, my mom raised me by herself, though, for the first six years of her life. Then uh, my stepfather and my brother came into our life. Um, me and my brother have the same mom. Uh, his stepdad, his dad was my stepdad. They married and. Uh, I don't know exactly the year, but I was like six or seven years old. So like it was a new family dynamic, um, but it was awesome. Uh, he, he coached me in all my sports. Um, so that was kind of cool to have. But I also realized when he came into my life, they were, where was dad before dad? Mm-hmm. You know, um, kind of started that internal battle within myself, but didn't really talk about it. Uh, it was a struggle to call him dad. I remember that in the beginning of the whole, I guess, marriage or life together. And uh, life just kind of went on. Graduated from VC in 2008. Went off to Magnese uh, to play golf. I walked on the golf team. I earned a golf scholarship. And then uh, I guess you can say that's when my faith, my Catholic roots started to really grow. Uh, before that, I went to, to church because my parents made me, because my Catholic school required me to go on Thursdays and you know Sundays. And the school required us to do retreats and whatnot. Um, but towards the end of my high school year into college, uh, my mom and stepfather's marriage kind of got rocky. Um, our family life looked a lot different than the family life I had before. Uh, we had a blended family. So things kind of started festering in me, and I started leaning in, into a religion teacher, uh, Miss Reba Broussard, trying to share with her like my thoughts and my concerns, my hurts and my fears, all that stuff. And she really helped me. But so much so when I was in college, uh, probably like my sophomore year, freshman year, she was like, you ever thought about being a, a Catholic priest? I said, Miss Reba, you know how much I love women. <laughs> and I was like, never in my mind have I ever thought that. I've never seen that modeled in my family. Uh, I was like, no, but I was in a place of maturity, though, really, with my faith. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll think about it, uh, but I'm going to finish college. Um, when 2009, I had open-heart surgery. Um, I had a hole in my uh, aortic valve called it like a VSD. And that kind of even heightened my whole faith journey. Um, almost putting my faith like on trial. Because when I knew, I, uh, when I was doing the surgery, you got to feel like the insurance paperwork. And like, it's funny, but I don't know if it's funny, but like, it's like you got to sign this because there's a 3% chance you won't wake up. But like out of all heart surgeries, I had like a minor heart surgery. It wasn't really like crazy, but uh, it was a heart surgery. So I signed it, and the second I knew that, my heart just flooded, like, who's my dad? Hmm. You know, why has he never been around? Where do I come from? Uh, all the things that I had to struggle with that, you know, I didn't have an answer to in high school, came servicing. It's like, the second I knew I could die, I wanted to know where I came from. Really weird. Yeah. Um, to the point where, like, I demanded my mom to, like, hey, I need to know. <laughs> um, I'm almost 20 years old. I know I didn't fall from the sky. Like, who who's who is my my dad? And I guess you could say that was one of the big moments of my life where my faith changed, my life changed, and like my worldview kind of started to change. Um, so right before the surgery, she sat me down. I, I tell people this all the time. It's one of those conversations you'll never forget. Three hundred six Natasha, Abbeville, Louisiana, green picnic table under a metal metallic lean to in front of my grandmother's house, who was living behind us. And uh, start talking. She just starts crying. I'm like. Oh God, here we go. <laughs> and um, she's like, I really don't know. When I tell you that, I really don't know. I was just trying to protect you. I'm like, okay, but like, like what happened? And um, she was telling me about a night she went out with some 
friends. Um, and whatever reason, throughout the night, she just she just blacked out. Like, uh, didn't remember a thing. She woke up the next morning in like this apartment building, this hotel. Um, no one was around, didn't know how she got there, didn't know who brought her there. Uh, she's like, I, I just uh, I just knew something happened, but I didn't know what happened. So she said, I talked to the maid. The maid like, helped me call my friend. And she's like, even the maid at the time, I didn't realize it, but she was like, you know, this is not the first time this has happened to someone. Uh, let's get you a ride. She's like, so I called my friend, and my friend can't pick me up. And I just started, I just lived my life. And she's like, but guess what? You know, she said a month later, I was pregnant. And um, she, I knew now what had happened to me that night. Uh, and so she said, I had a decision to make, and I decided to have you. And uh, so thus, I say this, honestly, I don't know. I don't know who your father is. Um, I can give you a couple of names that I remember that was around me that night. Uh, but I called those guys and those people and everyone denied everything. So I don't know. Hmm. I was like, wow. <laughs> um, okay. That's a lot. Um, and then I guess with my, I guess with the conversations with my religion teacher, I was like, okay. All right. There must be there must be a God, and if this God is real, and if this Jesus Christ person is real, we're about to find out, because I don't ever want to be anything like the person that created me in mm -hmm. any capacity. And so from that point forward, in a broken way and in a holy way, I've just been walking with Christ, trying to figure out how to become not like my biological father was in that time, and then the type of person God created me to be, and the type of person my mama didn't get to experience in that moment, that type of man. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, in 2009, that started, I guess you could say, my journey of taking my faith a lot more serious. Um, not in a perfect way. <laughs> Believe me, not in a perfect way. Um, and so from 2009 to this point forward, in 2022, every single day has been like just a step of healing and discovering myself and what God wants for me. And so um, I actually did, after I graduated college in 2012, kind of like... You know, because they have a father, Joshua Johnson, actually, uh, we talked about him earlier before we got on the podcast. I just was like, OK, he helped me understand my identity. My identity is not in golf. You know, it's in Christ. I'm, I'm still the man of God. that God wants me to be if golf was taken away. So when I graduated, it was like, OK, are you can pursue golf professionally or are you going to listen to what your religion teacher said? And <laughs> um, I just had some very uh, we can go into detail, but I just had some very deep spiritual experiences that led me to the understanding like, OK, God wants me to go to the seminary. I don't know if I'm going to be a priest, uh, but I know I need to go to figure that out and discern it. And so in 2013, I entered the seminary. Uh, Father, you were there, yeah. <laughs> forming yourself as well. And um, I spent six months there. Uh, people laugh at me. I said, but look, six months over there is a long time. <laughs> <laughs> a long time. So I I faced the, you know, the father wound and coming from a broken home and all the things that I kind of went through in high school, not knowing my dad, and uh, did a ton of healing. And through that academic formation that we do in the seminary and our spiritual formation with our spiritual counselors, I came to the conclusion in January 2014 that I was going to start out of the priesthood with the understanding that I was going to share God's love and mercy with athletes, but then he was going to let me pick up golf again because I felt that he had more of my heart and it wouldn't just be for me. And uh, it was crazy. Uh, 2014, he blessed both. I got to see some of the best golfers in the world. I got to caddy on a tour right below, like, the PGA Tour. 
and I see some of the guys I looked up to, seeing their whole life. But at the same time, I was able to speak to FCA uh, groups all around the Kidiana area. And the joy and the peace and the excitement I got speaking, mm-hmm. man, it was it was addicting almost. I don't know if it might not be the right term to use, but it was just so much so much fulfillment in that. Uh, greater than any golf shot, any golf tournament I ever won or any golf course I've ever walked on. I was like, by the end of 2014, I was like, no. Golf is not going to be the gift that I'm a, that's going to cha- help me change the world. It's going to be sharing the gospel, his love and mercy, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, guys, from this point to that point forward in 2014 to now, I've made every single step I could make uh, to do evangelization every single day, to be a lay evangelist, a missionary evangelist. So that's kind of how I've gotten to y'all this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, God has blessed that journey. I uh, started a nonprofit called God Made Self-Driven Ministries. And so uh, I guess that's the short elevator speech of, of my story, but um, it's been an, been an amazing ride. And uh, I'm very thankful for all the, all the ups and downs. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for, for getting into that for us. So whenever you were, um, you know, I guess it was, so you were a freshman in college. Whenever you had that, you sat down and had that conversation with your mother. So, well, beginning of sophomore year. Beginning of sophomore yeah. year. So. Uh, 19 years old or so. Yeah, about to be 20. Wow. Yeah, that's that's such an age that these big questions start coming up Mm -hmm. a lot of times. About, you know, it's like maybe your first taste of adulthood has started coming in. And then, like you said, the reality of death kind of came in. Correct. And it's, I mean, yeah, that's that's such a, a pivotal point. Start questioning, you know, (laughs) what exactly, what exactly is identity? What is, you know, um, what is the point of life? What is what is the purpose that I'm I'm brought here to do? And it was like the cherry on top in the sense of so in high school, um, I would say in high school I got a taste of like real life in the sense of about like around my father because I started I wasn't a big dater in high school. Uh, I dated golf more than I dated girls. So I just <laughs> loved golf and girls don't want to go to the golf course <laughs> so I mean, I mean it's just it's more of a problem for them than, a, than something fun so uh, I wasn't into dating and all that and so I uh, but I ended up starting to date someone like my junior year because it's like peer pressure or whatever like come on Tommy you get a girlfriend like, okay fine uh, and my best friend at the time you know she was a girl and she had a younger sister that was in high school with us and uh, whatever uh, started dating her and all that fun stuff well the, the dad had found out uh, right around when their family was going through a divorce. And um, that's the first time, I guess, real life came face to face with me. Um, the day after my confirmation retreat, she called me and said, we got to talk. I'm like, okay, I'm tired. I'm going to go to sleep with you. I guess I'll wake up. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. What up? Get on the phone. She's crying. I'm like, oh, what is going on? She's like, you know, you know, we can't be together. I'm like, where did this come from? Uh, I said, where did this come? She said, you know, you know. And I had a friend in high school that would joke with me about certain things. I'm like, does that ain't never going to work, boy? And to be not politically correct, to be politically honest, he's like, well, you can't do that. You know you black. I'm like, what? What are you talking about, dude? I know I'm not. He said, okay. <laughs> and um, sure enough, like her dad told her, like, you know, people are going to look down on you. Uh, people are gonna call you a such and such lover. Like it's, it's not gonna be good for you if you continue to to be with him. And I was like, what? 
like cell shock, like cell shock, cell shock, whatever you want to call it, just shocked. <laughs> shell, shell shock, say that five times fast. <laughs> um, and so that was my first time of like the identity coming up and real life mm-hmm. coming up. And I had no defense to it. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, how am I defending? What you want me to say? Like, yeah. what you want me to do? You see my family, you see my friends? Like, what you want me to do? Um, but then the surgery was like, and the hell with all this. I want to know, you know, like going through all these things. He ain't around. Uh, can't defend myself in, in certain areas of my life. So like, I need to know so I can just I don't know have peace, closure, something. Um, so yeah, I would agree with you. Like the identity thing was a huge, huge, huge thing in my walk, uh, especially and it kind of hit its climax at the surgery. You know, I did a. Uh a class this past summer on St. Joseph. Uh, it was a Josephology. And, and you know, I, I really kind of got into, like, these different questions. I mean, it's really fascinating because Joseph has so much to do with, obviously, fatherhood, mm-hmm. adoption, right. you know, like n- not, not being a real uh, or no, not being a biological father. father. 100%. Right. And and then uh, and then what that must have been, like sort of, not just not just spiritually for Christ, but even psychologically, you know that is you know, um, like the 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 father, while he knew his father, his father was not father. Yes, yeah, his, his father, and uh, so, like in a in a way, like I, I you see how this could be such a. <laughs> across you know that jesus would have carried his whole life but yet what what a beautiful sort of entry point into the trinity yeah you know of like that that you have an insight to something that you just blew my mind father (laughs) i just the first time i realized not realized but broke it down like christ in himself and his humanity had to kind of go through that same identity Mm. journey yeah and obviously, I know he's a perfect man and whatnot, but still at the same time, in his own humanity, he had to wrestle with the fact that this man that's raising me, though, it's not my father. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew that, but I don't know the way you just said it. That's like, wow, that's true. Yeah, that happens you know? pretty often on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Like, just a light bulb, just like, ah. I was like, wow, yeah, that's pretty beautiful. Well, it's, uh, I mean, I. I just thinking about what what for Christ meant the word son meant, you know. Yeah. I mean he, he that's how he called what he called himself and interestingly enough, he called himself most often son of man. Yeah. Which is just such an interesting thing, especially when you realize he wasn't. <laughs> you know, like I mean he was son of a a woman. Right. Um, but the, just such an interesting, and I always reflected on the, and this is something we talked about in the the Josephology class was that that Joseph adopting it, Jesus was adopting Joseph as much as Joseph was adopting Jesus, right. you know, and that that <laughs> that mutual adoption is what allowed us to be adopted by God, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of like a really powerful thing you know i mean so i mean uh, even and uh, i'm curious so like your your but your mother yes and your stepfather they they split or yes they're they're they, divorced they've been divorced now for 
for a few years. Yep. Wow. 100%. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, I can't really tell you things that year because it was so up and down. But yeah, right. Yeah, there have been at least five, seven years now divorced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, that decision, the decision that you made to say, like, I want to be like a different father. Right. I mean, and you see how that has, is the thread that has transformed your whole life. Oh, yeah. And to the point where sometimes I white knuckle too much. In, in that vein, yeah, you know, that I had to go through some healing with that as well. Like you, you know, I'm a very uh, ambitious, entrepreneurial person, driven. Obviously, God made some driven, yeah. And so, even with that, right? If I don't have God in that, like I don't want to be like Him, right? Yeah. But if God don't have room in that, you know, I've had, I even had to like take a step back and like, okay, I get it, but you also gotta have room for God in that, in that same right understanding. So, but no, it has shaped the the whole course of my life really mm. truly who mm. i am the way i perceive things listen to people take advice it's uh no definitely mm. i just wanted to uh to ask you know your story gets to get to the core of a lot of people's struggles with faith yeah. you know not having a father figure yeah. coming from um you know just a, a lot worse situation than yeah. a lot of people you know and and just a lot of opportunities there for you to lose faith, right? A lot of opportunities for you to question, why me? Yeah. Why do I have to go through this? 100%. The question a lot of people really have to wrestle with, and 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 unfortunately, some people fall too, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I just want to uh, first address, like, how, how much you see God's power in your story, you know? And, and I would just love to hear some of those spiritual insights that you had to, well, you had the opportunity to experience um, that made you say, okay, maybe this all does make sense. Yeah. You know, like, like how do you convey that to some, obviously your story's compelling, but like to a, to a young kid who yeah. just like doesn't get it. Like what are some of your like breakthrough moments of like, like, 100%. yeah. I'm gonna start with a meme or meme, whatever you wanna call it. It's it's this it's on social media. It says when God created you, He factored in all your stupidity as well. <laughs> um, and I say that honestly. Um, I, when I first started speaking, like in a, like two or three years in, they try to do try to get me to do a pro life talk uh, without saying God, or without like saying the Holy Spirit or anything. I couldn't. I just started crying. I said, "Guys, I cannot do this. I'm sorry." Like, I don't want to offend anyone, but I am not here without God's unfathomable grace and mercy um, and just in tangible ways. Because, you know, we, we people, the Bible says, like, man sees the outside, the Lord sees the heart, right? And I think the Lord provides, you know, based off, like, like your heart posture, right? No, you may, people may see certain things about you, right? But he knows your heart. Like, he knows your deepest wounds, your deepest fears, your deepest joys and desires and all that and i think he takes account of that when he try when he provides for you in your daily life what, I, what i'm trying to say is like i didn't necessarily have a i didn't actually have my biological father right but as life started to go and as i started to talk to people and, and and be open to people i started realizing god did place a father i mean obviously he is my father but he also placed many fathers in my life that for whatever reason spoke into my life and all of them became a father to me in different parts of my life like my basketball coach my golf coach uh my golfing buddies on the like the older men at the golf course um 
um, they all became like a father to even my stepfather, you know, even though we don't necessarily get along as, as much as we probably should. <laughs> like they all encompassed a father for me and gave me treasures and wisdom. Um, I was able to, I think it was a grace I was able to see that, but I feel like that's how God provided for me. Yes, I might not have my biological father around, but he placed so many fathers that were willing to pour in me for whatever reason. Uh, and thank God I was able to listen. Um, and so I guess to simplify like the, the sufferings and all that, like I never went through a suffering or I never went through something unfair without having like also like an olive branch next, like, you know what I mean? Like someone putting out an olive branch at the same time, like putting their hand out like, yes, okay, I went through this stuff with the dating, the dating um, in high school. But yet I had my religion teacher at the same time in my ear telling me truly who I am in God's eyes, right? Mm -hmm. um, yes, okay, I didn't have my biological father, but I did have a stepfather for many years of my life, right? Uh, I did have a stepfather who was at my games, and, and you know what I mean? I, he just, I don't know, I, I guess the way I, the way I look at it is like, if you're struggling, you're going through unfair things, I know it's cliche, but I read a book, it's called Abandonment to God's Providence, and to simplify it, Everything that happens in your life, for my Catholics like that, Catholics out there, it's like a mini Eucharist. So Jesus Christ is behind the bread and the wine, right? Body, blood, soul, and divinity. Well, behind everything that happens in your life, Christ is there. There's a grace behind everything, no matter its method, that if you respond in faith, hope, and love, it will edify you, it will encourage you, and it will strengthen you to the next thing that God has for you. I'll just say that again. Everything in your life, no matter its method, has a grace behind it that if you approach it with like faith, hope, and love, it will edify you and bring, make you more courageous to accept the things that God has for you. Welcome back. Um, we're here again with Dustin Bertrand, and um, just really dove into just dove into your testimony. Like um, I think we were we ended up talking for like thirty minutes during this break, just kind of because we were so we just had so much to talk about. So it's it's good to be back recording and and kind of dive a little bit more into um, you know what what's your ministry right now? Like what exactly uh, was, yeah. do you feel like was your calling, your your specific mission or vision with the ministry that you're doing right now? Yeah, so um, I had never envisioned of having a ministry really. It just happened organically, right? I knew I wanted to speak, but I didn't know, I didn't come from a strong Catholic family, so I didn't know really what speaking and evangelization really looked like until I started to like grow in my spiritual life with my mentors, John Listy and, and those guys and the such. But um, God Made Self-Driven Ministries is really just a, to kind of use our Catholic term, it's just a platform for the new evangelization, right? Uh, I, I, was, I would say like my gifts and my talents are tailored to the youth and young adults right now. Now I think I just bring a real um, authentic, vulnerable, and uh, transparent uh, expression of the gospel. Um, I love really like my thing I guess you can say is my specialty I guess you would say is like the Holy Spirit uh, I love giving one-on-ones and understanding of like the gift of the Holy Spirit you know why Christ had to leave and leave us the Holy Spirit and then how the Holy Spirit is active in our sacraments and just the gift of like our confirmation grace um, I know for me I didn't come alive till 
<laughs> many years after my confirmation. And so I just like really teaching people like the advocate, like how he's here, how you how he speaks to you on a daily basis, how you can truly hear God's voice in 2022, not just 2000 years ago. Um, I really do that a lot in like my retreats and the way that I'm able to like, uh, I don't know, preach the, the gospel and whatnot. I think that's why I love the um, that book, Abandonment to God's Providence by mm -hmm. Father Pierre, uh, Pierre Jean Cassad. Because um, it's just, it's really, it's like a life in the Holy Spirit. And um, so I guess you can say my, you asked me like, what's my thing? What's my, yeah, I think the way I'm able to articulate and teach on the Holy Spirit, I would say would be my, my thing. You know, it's, and it's kind of interesting. I mean, we're kind of talking about this or touching on this, but even though your story is so unique, I mean, it's so, I mean, it's in, in some ways, it's something that we, we can't relate to, but yet in this, in, in a deeper sense, it's something that relates to or resonates with everyone right 100%. and i think it's just like when you hear your story it something within us it, you know uh, like we had talked about with miss robin the kind of ache that we all have yeah. is sort of ignited it's just it's just it, it's made apparent and so i could see that like your story reaches so many people even though it's so unique even right. though it's something that they may have not even a clue of what that's like they do, though. Right, because we all deal with identity. We all deal exactly. with purpose. We right. all deal with loss. We all deal with maybe a sense of abandonment, right? right. I mean, and it's all, yeah, I may, ha I may have had more tangible experiences of that. I may have had more tangible experiences of that, but we all experience it in some way eventually yeah. in our lives. Um, and I'm just, I think I'm just blessed and humble that God allows me to articulate that in a simplified way. And, and it's exact. I, I think it's so cool that you talked about like the ascension and the descent of the Holy Spirit, because that's really, you know, like always that I'm fascinated with the ascension too. Like why, what's the connection between the fact that Jesus had to go in order for him to send the Holy Spirit. But someone had just said this like recently to me that, that he, it, the ascension was not him leaving or going to a different place. It was him, his presence in a different mode. Oh, yeah. You know, he's just he's just as present, just in a different mode now. And we had to sort of sacrifice the mode that perhaps we, that tangible humanity that 100%. we would have we would have liked, but that he's now in the mode of the Holy Spirit. I mean, obviously, two different persons of the Trinity, but right. still, it was a gift to us. And it, and it just shows the connection between abandonment, you know, or and and presence, you know, <laughs> that we receive God, you know, in in that very place where we're most abandoned. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So, uh, what were what were some of the sources? What were some of the things that maybe you started learning about the Holy Spirit? Because, of course, you know, as a part of the Trinity, it's pretty mysterious you know and, and there's only so much we can learn but but i know there's lots of good sources and especially like spiritual directors always kind of help you understand how the spirit's working in you and stuff but what were what were some of the things that that uh you feel like you you learned about the holy spirit and how he was working in your life so some of you that taught me about the holy spirit would be father cormier he's a older priest uh, he's at this uh, parish in cecilia um but one that has probably been more consistent in my life who i know his father kind of taught him and Father Joe Bro taught him, is uh, John Listy. Uh, he's a local evangelist, uh, director of evangelization in our local parish who's been doing ministry for 20 plus years. I know hearing his talks and seeing him pray and him, you know, forming me and guiding me in, in, in prayer, um, 
he he really made the Holy Spirit. He gave me language to what I was experiencing in my in my heart, mm-hmm. right? Um, uh, he, when he was teaching me about you know the gifts that sanctify us, and then the gifts that you know charismatic gifts that help us lead others to Christ, I started just uh, looking back on my life and realizing, wow, okay, oh that's that happened. That's the word of knowledge. That was the gift of faith. That was oh the laying of hands, like all these things. Um, and so like just a, some tangible ways. Whenever he would explain it, right, uh, the the character of the holy spirit i was able to kind of look back on my life but one time um i was locked out my house in high school weird just like a regular random day locked out my house in high school um i go i'm like dang what i'm gonna do my mom's at work clear as day, i can still remember this verbatim don't worry your nanny Susan gonna be passing in front of your house to go to work at Walmart. Call her now. I don't know why. I said, Oh, okay. <laughs> I said like that, oh okay. <laughs> Thinking like I'm I said, Hey nanny, I hate to bother you. Like, would you have time to like come on like the house? I, she's like, Yeah, babe, I'm passing right in front of your house. I'm going to work. <laughs> I said, No way. She's like, Oh yeah, I just passed. I'll just make a little U-turn. And I was like, what? But like getting the understanding of like that still small voice, the Holy Spirit still speaks, right? Like um, I was able to put language. And like that happens that happens all the time in my life. Like I, I, and I, used to, I started understanding what these, like I'll, some, two people would get together, like say in a relationship that I know. And like I said, okay, they're getting married. They're like, what? I said, they're getting married. Like how do you know that? I said, I just, I just know in my heart. Like, it's a word of knowledge. Like, just a word of knowledge. Like, I'm not, I don't go and profess it on the mountaintops. I'm just saying, like, the Holy Spirit was teaching me in my own personal way. Like, little, like, discern, like, hearing his voice in discernment and whatnot. Um, and so, I know that might sound awkward to some of y'all out there. I said, uh, I'm not saying I know the future. I'm just saying this happens every now and then. That, like, I just have these strong internal feelings, and it happens. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's wild. Um and so I would say John, Father Cormier, and then when, they, when John would put language to the character of the Holy Spirit, I was able to see him in my, in my daily life. And then reading books. I'm a big reader. Uh, Holy Spirit 101. I forgot who, who, uh, who's the author of that book. And then um, uh, the, the Holy Spirit, the Gift of God is another book that I've read. It has a lot of like some of our church uh, like traditional documents within the book. Um, and I, I went back to school and got my master's. So... Uh, guys, reading helps a ton. <laughs> reading, you know, I got to tell everybody, if you read the Word of God more, you can understand the character of God in your daily life. So, like, if you read the Word of God more, you can see the character of God in your life, right? It's just like hanging out with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. The more you hang out with them, the more you can anticipate their actions, their thoughts, their feelings, and their fears. Um, so, as I read more about the Holy Spirit through, like, our encyclicals and, mm-hmm. and our church documents, He became more alive in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... It wasn't like, you know, nothing miraculous, you know, a little bit of discipline, devotion, um, and having solid mentors that you trust that are following church teachings that the Holy Spirit just kind of showed itself in little ways in my life. Kind of like what me and you were talking about, like just made himself visible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like, oh, that's what that means. Oh, that's what that means. You know, does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we were we were talking about this and, you know, we kind of wanted you to to discuss this with us as well because I've seen this a lot with you know directing and doing spiritual direction and stuff like that and just 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 people in general especially young people who are in a, the season of their life where they're single you know and mm-hmm. um and and 
it, it oftentimes it, it brings about sort of a, an anxiety, yeah. uh, a lack of peace, a sort of like temptation to like how I'm going to make myself more, uh, I don't know, available, you know, um, and, and, and which can be like a temptation maybe sometimes to, to go places that you wouldn't want to go or something like that or do things <laughs> that you wouldn't want to do. Uh, and so I know you've been, <laughs> I know you've been, uh, trying to talk to me. <laughs> I, I know you've been, been single and, and been living like striving for holiness yeah. in this, this season, you know? And so, uh, I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about that. Oh gosh, can I, <laughs> I feel like I can write a book. <laughs> Maybe one day it will. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I'm going to explain this in two different Two two different ways. I would say I had two different um, times of singleness, right? Um, bef- in two, before 2000, when I got out of the seminary in 2014, so I had a time of singleness from 2013 to 16, where I, I met someone that I dated for almost two years. Uh, that time of singleness, um, I think I fell victim to the culture. Um, just wanted to be in love very really bad knowing that i was not going to be a priest anymore right so like let's go now it's time right you see hear all these stories they leave the seminary you meet someone walking down the co- to the coffee shop so it's my turn right <laughs> going to um, communion going to communion right <laughs> yeah. uh going to walk the camino or something crazy like that. <laughs> um, so i that that i don't think was that that was i had made even though i had healed from a lot of my personal wounds marriage was still an idol to me um, too much of an idol, I believe. So that singleness, yes, it had some fruits, but it was it was still almost me trying to white knuckle myself to marriage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, I would say that's not what we should do. I would say that we, we struggle with that, right? We start looking at uh, other people's lives and, and, oh, man, look how happy they are, right? And but we're only focusing on what we want to see. We don't see their struggles in that, in that you know, when they're, when they're together, those... Uh, the su- the sufferings of that vocation, but you just kind of look at the good stuff. Well, that that s- single season, I would say I was impatient. I, I wanted to white knuckle myself to marriage. Still, uh, I, I feel like a marriage was more, was more uh, it was an idol more than a, a, a vocation. And so, just want to preface that, right? Well, then in 2016, I meet a girl. We date for almost two years and that's when you start thinking about oh wow i'm older i think i want to marry this girl um and so yeah you start visioning that right you start projecting that life uh in the future well because of like i I would say my docility to the holy spirit uh, i had ended that relationship in 2018 right after Alabama won the walk-off national championship against Georgia. Uh, <laughs> I, I won't ask you what implications were with that. <laughs> All right, please don't. So <laughs> we break up, and then that, I would say in 2018 is when I began a healthier version of being single um, because I thought she was everything I wanted, uh, her family, uh, everything I envisioned. Uh, God asked me to walk away from. Um, we had a love, but it wasn't a love that was meant for marriage. And so when I left that situation, now marriage stopped becoming an idol. Mm-hmm. Um, through that process, uh, I got to the place where, okay, marriage is a gift. He doesn't owe me a marriage. He doesn't owe me a wife. Um, but I desire his plans for my life and whatever that may look like. 
even in the seminary, I never said, oh, I could be single for the rest of my life. I never said that. I said, I'd either be a priest married to the church or I would be married. After that relationship, I got into a very, I would say, a healthy place where I saw marriage as a gift. I saw that wife or whoever that wife was going to be as a gift and that God didn't owe me any of those things and allowed me to truly surrender to whatever he wanted in my life mm-hmm. and whoever he wanted in my life. Um, and I read a book and it, it, it really opened my eyes. Uh, it was a Christian book. Um, I want to preface it. It wasn't a Catholic book, so I just don't, I don't want to say the name because just in discernment, it's just, it helped me though, edify me. Um, I don't want to, you know, maybe lead someone astray. <laughs> so, uh, it helped me realize that the single season for me, I could not let the longing keep me from living. Mm. I could not let the longing keep me from living. Um, I couldn't say like, well, I'm going to go skydiving when I'm with that girl I'm in love with. Or I'm going to go do this trip whenever I'm with the girl that I'm in love with. No, it it allowed me to live in the moment. Um, And so I'm saying like the best thing you can do when you're single is live in the present. Work on being a husband before you get the title husband. Work on being a father before you get the title father. And take this time of you being single to devote more time to God and your service to others. Um, Because as a single person... God and you come first, <laughs> right? Uh, whenever you're going to get that person, it's God and then that person comes first in a sense, right? Uh, there's more of yourself has to be stripped away. More of yourself has to be sacrificed, right? More, there's another person that has authority into your life. Um, so for me, when I ended a relationship that I thought was going to be, be the one, it gave me, gave, got me to a place of not letting my longing for marriage keep me from working on my holiness, not let my like longing for that marriage keep me from like living in the present day moment, mm-hmm. uh, knowing who to serve and where to serve before I become married. Um, not just, oh, I want to serve with my wife. I want to serve when I get my wife. Oh, you can serve now. Uh, you can travel now. You can live now. Um, because God still does not, you know, he's not, he doesn't owe me a wife. He doesn't owe me a marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying it's not going to come, but I can't live uh, with that, like, you know, holding him, you know, like, I don't know how, I don't know the word I'm trying to use, but I can't, like, force him into that, right? right you know, right. I got to receive my wife. I got to receive that vocation, mm-hmm. in a sense. Just like I receive his love, and I'm one day, hopefully, I can receive heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, um, I kind of went on a, on, a, on a rampant right there. No, that's, that's fantastic. And I, you know, I, I, and I think, like, what what because this is you know there's a tension there so like there's one thing if if i say like okay i'm remaining single for this time for a reason yeah you know because uh you know i can't date right now because i'm i have a another focus or another preoccupation and then but then but then there's the other kind of singleness which is like okay god's not asking me to be in a relationship at this very moment you know, but I want to be in one, and so how should I present myself as both attractive and like mm-hmm. available, and yet at the same time be intentionally pursuing holiness and not sort of like pursuing singleness? Uh, does that make sense? Yes. So that's it's awesome. So Holy Spirit question right there. <laughs> so when I when I broke up or when I ended when that when that relationship ended in 2018, I had said for the next two years. I'm dedicating myself to singleness, right? Mm. So that's that's the era you were talking about. Yeah. So it was just not it was not just holiness, it was singleness as well. I was dedicating myself. Right. So I didn't go on dates. I 
for the first time in my life, I was very clear with my intentions when I met a girl. I was like, nothing has nothing to do with you. Uh, I just need to work on my ministry. I need to grow my ministry. I got to make sure this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Uh, and if it is, I need to grow the nonprofit. I need to invest myself into this and into God. Um, so from 2018 and 2020, uh, even maybe a little after, right before the pandemic, girls were just not, my heart was closed off to that, right? But then you transition to, okay, I'm ready again, right? <laughs> but I'm ready, but God's not ready. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, how do you do that? How do you pursue holiness? I'll be honest. It's hard. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's hard in the sense of um, you can only stay home for so long, right? So how do you be holy and not just stay on your couch forever, right? Mm-hmm. How, how can you, uh, as a single person, wait for your wife, uh, but not be, be in the world, but not of the world? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be honest with you. It takes adoration. <laughs> it takes prayer. It takes community. Um, and it takes a lot of discernment, uh, of like, of what are you capable of? Father Sean Pine told me this one time and it just rocked my world. Uh, and it was in that right beginning of this season. He said, I was like, where can I go? <laughs> like as a single man and, and, and be okay. Like, I'm not going to, um, scandalize my faith. I'm not going to scandalize my ministry. Like I don't have anyone. I can't just stay home. Um, I said, can I go to Corner Bar? Can I can I go down Jefferson Street? Can I go to the you know to the movies? Can I go to Miami? Can I go to Houston? Like where can I? Find? And Father, he said, listen. He said you have to again, but, but it's about knowing yourself, right? But to know yourself, you have to pray, spend time with Jesus, and have a solid community of accountability, right? So remember those three. But on top of that, he said you got with that you got to know yourself. He said, okay, Dustin. He said, if you had, it's kind of like evangelization. He said, he said, okay. I'm like, okay, explain, Father. He said, all right. If you struggled with sex, you probably should not be evangelizing in a brothel. He said, not everyone's light is for all darknesses. I was like, say that again? He said, not everyone's light is for all darknesses. You go into the darkness that your light can handle. I was like, wow. He said, if you can go to a corner bar and be modest in your drinking, and spend time with the people and go home and you, you're fine, then go. But if you struggle with drinking and you, you, know, you, you struggle with that, then maybe a bar is not the place you need to go to mm-hmm. as, a, as a single person. You know, Go to a movie theater, go to a friends gathering, go to a uh, whatever, a football game or a basketball game. You know? Reds. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like Reds, honestly. <laughs> Seriously, go to Reds, go work out, go lift some weights. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, when you say, like, okay, now I don't want to be single. I want to be with someone, but I also got to maintain my holiness in that. It's your prayer time, frequent adoration, and have a community of people that are willing to hold you accountable and keep pushing you to holiness. Yeah, and, you know, and, and I think you it's it's all kind of centered around this. It's it's really cultivating trust yeah. that the Lord does, is not just abandoning you. No, Just correct. because you don't have... You know, because because I mean, certainly the main, the primary feeling that people have, you know, that I hear is it's a loneliness. You know, oh, it, yeah. and well, it's loneliness. Well, am I not good enough? Yeah. What do they have that I don't have? Yeah. Like, what more do I have to? What more do you need to work on me before I get that right? Right. You start looking so inward and uh, thinking you're less than the person, and um, yeah, I just wanted to. No, that's like, no. I, I affirm that. That's great. This is, and and then trust. 
you know, to say that like, no, God, God genuinely loves me and he has a plan for my life. It's just, I, I'm, I'm still, I'm still reading the chapters, Yeah, you know, and this is a single chapter, you know what I'm saying? But it's an important one. You know, it's not irrelevant to the whole story. 100%. And what do you, what do you do with the thought of like, um, like, okay, maybe, maybe God has a plan for me. He just wants me to be more like active in it. I need to ask more people on dates. Oh, oh, sorry. Can you hear me now? Um, (laughs) Like to, I need to go out and like ask, like maybe God has that plan, but maybe it requires me to be like more aggressive, you know, or girls saying like, I'm not really ready, but like this good guy is asking me on a date. Maybe I should just do it. He needs to tell a few more of those that. (laughs) (laughs) In the name of Jesus. (laughs) No. Um, Yeah, so I'm sorry. Say that again. (laughs) Dustin, you weren't even listening. I was, but I got sidetracked at the end. No, I'm kidding. It's like, what do you do with the thought of like. You need to do. Yeah, like I need to be more aggressive. Yeah. Like maybe, like, I feel ready, but. But like maybe God's not ready. Like I need to be because I feel like that is a is a thought that's on a lot of young men's yeah. mind. Like I need to be more aggressive, and and maybe girls yeah. are like, I should like if it's a good guy, I should probably go on that date. Yeah, you know, hundred percent. So man, that's man, I got so much about that. So yeah, I think I'm a big. Well, I said big believer. I've grown into a big believer. Like guys are supposed to get rejected. Like, load up your rejection talent, dude, you know? Um, so, like, just like with grace, we have to co-labor with God, right? I do think when it comes to God's plan and you're in, this, and you're in a state of singleness, if you can get to a place where, okay, I think I need to do more, okay, let's do more. Let's do more in a healthy way, though, right? Let's do it in a respectful way. Let's not be no foolish little boy and pursue in foolish ways. But you pursue, and I always tell guys, and I tell other guys, like, if you're going to pursue, as you pursue, give room for God. Say, bless or block this situation. Bless or block our friendship. Bless or block this uh, growing relationship. So I would tell a guy like, if you feel like, okay, you don't want to, you don't, you're not ready to be single. I mean, you don't want to be single anymore. You feel like God is opening that door for you, but nothing's happening, right? You're getting frustrated. Well, pursue, but also pursue and still give God room in that, right? Don't just think because oh, she smiled at you a few times and she texts you a few times, you have chemistry that you're gonna get married. God may just want that to be a friendship, but. Give him permission to bless it or block it. That's one of my favorite prayers. Bless it or block it. Bless, bless it or block it. And I, I've noticed, <laughs> even when I didn't like it, like he will do that. He will bless it or block it. Um, and I said, I don't think that's a, a bad thing to pursue as a guy. I don't. I think it's a it's a good thing. Um, and girls, I, I I mean, I pray for y'all out there that y'all can have discernment, right? Uh, the right discernment to trust the right person and to open your heart up to the right guy, you know, one that's not just you know superficial. And that that's something that I I I always encourage people, you know, because uh, you know sometimes sometimes it, I've noticed like a lot of times we idealize. I'm not, I'm I need to take myself out of this because I'm obviously you know yeah. a priest, but but people idealize what their future spouse will be and that is the biggest obstacle to them discerning who god is putting in their life and we're going to have to end it here but we'll hear more about this on the bonus material on the podcast platforms
So I had to, I had, once I had heard some, someone talking, it was a young woman, she was talking about my husband, my husband, my husband, and she wasn't actually dating someone or married. And, and I realized that she had this picture of who her husband was going to be. And, uh, it was very crafted, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I, I really, I, that I could see was, was hindering her from seeing the person that. Maybe God had in mind, and, and because that's the that's the thing, your your spouse has a face, you know, um, has a personality, has problems, has all these these different things that you have to be willing to be open to, you know, and so I was wondering if you can talk about that, like how has that been purified for you, you know, in in your journey, and and like what what's and what would you recommend to people in, in like, you know, experiencing that? Yeah. Yeah. So I think previously I was saying how, you know, giving you all the tools and tips to be healthy in a state of singleness and then be healthy in your quest for holiness when you don't want to be single. Right. Um, and I did do that. Well, <laughs> for many years <laughs> since 2018. But I will honestly say uh I think it has a lot to do with some other things that are going on in my life. Uh, my, my grandmother's uh, slowly dying, I guess you can say. Uh, so it's festered up a lot of emotions. Um, and one of my dreams for her, or she always has, she's like, I always, to meet that person, right, that I was going to spend the rest of my life. She'd even say, like, you know, once, you, once I know you're good, I'm, I'm going to go see Jesus. And, you know, knowing that she's saying it all in fun and all that, it affects me. I'm a very, like emotional person, passionate person. So to answer your question, um, I did that great, right? Prayer, adoration, community, <laughs> discernment. Um, but I do have a list. You know, I had a list of what I would want my wife to be, right? Um, and I jokingly, I would tell people that. And some girls would say, oh, you, your list is way too, <laughs> you want the perfect girl. I said, no, there's just some things I, I want to better share with her. Um, and so I would say, like, I had that list, right? This heightened expectations, Okay. Um, and then this year, I'll be honest, uh, I got frustrated with God's timing, um, of who that is going to be and when that's going to be. And so I went to the whole other spectrum and ripped up my list, but also put down some negotiable, some negotiable, put some down non some non-negotiables. And that got me in a vein and around people that I should not have been with mm -hmm. and maybe had me doing things. That I probably wasn't proud of. Not that proud. I wasn't proud of. Mm -hmm. um, so I think you're right. We have to be a ha have, There needs to be a happy medium, mm -hmm. right? That uh, when you pray, you pray out of, in a, from a disposition of humility, um, because we don't know what the face of that of our wife's gonna look like, right? We don't know what the face of our husband's gonna look like. Um, but I think there are some non-negotiables you can have, <clears throat> but I think you have to be open to what. <laughs> God knows his best for you over than what you think you need, over what you think you want. Because mm -hmm. um, um, there, God knows what you need, and maybe what you want is not the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that's a big, big, like, language thing. So I think, yes, you can have a couple of non-negotiables, but understand that what you want might not be what God knows you need. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and to just have an open space in that um, mm-hmm. completely, uh, to have complete open space in that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that kind of answers what you were saying yeah, absolutely. or, or yeah. talks into that. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> two, of the, two of the like virtues that are coming up or, um, yeah, the themes that are coming up when in a single space is, is trust and humility. Yeah. Because, yeah, trust, like, yeah, I mean, you have the strong desire. You know, I remember being at, being at a point where I, was, I had a strong desire to be in a relationship, to, like, find my wife. I was ready to settle down. And, you know, it wasn't happening at that moment. You know, this is, this is right. like, years ago, right? And, um, yeah, but... In that time, I also fell into desiring a lot of attention to fill that hole, mm. right? Like I would, I would go on dates with people who I probably, who I knew, like we didn't even click or anything. 100%. But I, I kept texting them. I 100%. kept, you know, staying around because I, I liked the fact that I at least had someone to fill that hole. And it, it wasn't until like I, I really started to mature in my yeah. prayer life with a spiritual director, kind yeah. of guiding me and helping me to learn how to trust. And when I learned how to trust, I became more humble. Stop seeking attention. Stop seeking all those things to like fill me up. That's that's facts. Uh, I've done that this year. <laughs> I mean, I'll just be honest. You know, fully transparent. Like I, I have. You know, and I think, I think like Father was saying, yes, you can't have these uh, absolutes, right? You can have a couple of non-negotiables, but you also don't want to go on the other side and just like, oh, I'm about whatever, because right. you know, <laughs> you know, you know, you're a Christian, you know, you're a Catholic, you know, there's a way of life you want to live with your family and with her, that person one day, and so there's some things that, you know, you do need to keep in mind, right? Um, and so it does come out of that, that the desire, like that longing to want to be known, seen, and loved by someone, uh, even though we we know. Intellectually, like we're known and seen and loved by God, uh, our human capacities have that desire to be known and seen and loved by a significant yeah. other. Yeah. You know, what are your uh, what are your thoughts on like missionary dating, like going around the world to date? No, Is like missionary dating right? in the sense of like she's not she's not Catholic. She she might not even be oh, Christian. Oh, flirt like, to convert. I can, I can make her that. Uh, flirt to convert. <laughs> learn to convert. <laughs> Someone. Uh, Gave me a line a while back, actually recently. Uh, I want to marry a person, not a project. Mm. You know, I want to marry a person, not a project. So uh, I think missionary dating, I, I don't think you can intentionally do that. I think it can, make, it can happen organically. Mm. I think it really can happen organically. I think sure. a non-Catholic can meet a Protestant or a Baptist, and they can organically grow and become both Catholic or, or sacrifice some spiritual intimacy and, and live a life together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's hardships with that. There's some sacrifices you have to make if you're going to live in a household with two different faith backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I um, that's what my mom tried to do in her last marriage. She uh, she would say this. She's like she I I, I married almost with the, with the hope to maybe change a little bit of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say and I think this is a big thing with people. And I think right now I don't know if y'all can help me explain this. There's a difference between changing someone and growing with someone um you you can't necessarily you don't want to necessarily marry someone to change them you want to marry to grow them but when you allow that person to grow that means they grow in their own time in their own way in their own capacity right you can't marry to change like you're gonna change Uh, well you don't know that you you know you also can't marry someone's potential because 
potential is potential until it's actualized. It could always be potential. Um, so no, I don't. I'm not into that. You know, <laughs> uh, I'll be honest with you. But uh, I do think it happens organically. Yeah. I think if that just happens, yeah. But if you're going into like. I'm, I'm gonna convert this person. Or I'm gonna change this person. Yeah, yeah but they can change. Yeah, right. I think that's, I think that's. I think there's a lot of marriages that that people have tried that, and I well, think it's proven untrue. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I, here's another thing. Okay, what about what about like okay, I've already fished this pond, kind of thing. You know, like in other words, like I put out like. Oh, I know I all those people. Yeah. How about going to the corner boy every weekend? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For the same pond? No. Right. Well, and that no, I think that's that that's a big thing for a lot of people is like, you know, oh, like I, I've I hear this both guys and girls. You know, I know all these guys. I know all these girls. Like, no, you know, and sometimes I'm kind of thinking to myself, well. But have you really given them all a chance? You know, I mean, I'm not saying like go date all of them. No, right. But sometimes, sometimes, you know, sometimes just because this person doesn't like, like knock me off my feet in the first moment that I meet them does not mean that it's not the right person, you know? Mm. And um, everybody's different. Everybody's story yeah. is a little bit different, you know? But uh, sometimes, sometimes uh, I think it, it could be where you, you you don't expect it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what you have to say about that. I think that's good stuff because I think um, I think that's what everyone expects. That person gonna swipe me off my swipe me off my feet. I think that's what the culture promotes. Like when you're gonna fall in love, it's gonna be like, oh my god, he walked in the room, time stopped, and her hair went flowed down slow. <laughs> yeah. uh, it doesn't always work that way, you know. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, maybe revisiting old friendship revisiting friendships that are that are present to you you know and and maybe trying to go deeper than that i don't think that's a that's a bad idea um no i wouldn't say i I haven't had that experience a lot of my friends are married and their friends are friends are married so (laughs) uh i I can't talk much in that personally on my own experience but yeah uh, i mean i feel like it all it all comes down all these different situations it all comes down to personal discernment yeah um you know i like if the intentions are pure, then yeah. uh, then it's certainly going to work out. You I, know? I will say this: maybe I'm too much of a Bible head, but um, I've been praying, and I mean, I guess some people do. A lot of Christians do pray this, but like, wasn't it Jacob and Rebecca or Isaac? Uh, Isaac and Rebecca. Jacob okay. And Rachel. Whenever like and the, he told the servant, "Hey," <laughs> like he told the servant, "Hey, you go down to this water well, you're going to see this girl. That's the one for Isaac." Yeah. Hey, man. That's what I want. <laughs> now, I'll be praying for. I'm not even gonna lie. Full transparency. Like, let me know. Like, show yeah. me. Yeah. Like, um, I'm 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 in this age of my life. Like, just show me that if you can do it for him, why you can't do it for me? Nah, I know it doesn't work like that. But it's just selfish being transparent with y'all. Like, I ask. Like, if it's in His Word, why can't it come to fruition? Right? I mean, it, it's. I mean, I know not everything in the Bible is supposed to be t- taken literally, but. I mean, that's not far fetched for the Lord to show or impress your heart to let you know that, man, look, that's her. Hey, yeah. man, look, that's him. You know, um, but uh, so I do pray for that. I mean, I, I mean, selfishly, but well, this but, uh, is you know one one thing that I think is like a virtue that we don't, which is really it's a virtue of hope. But I would say it's cultivating a disposition to be surprised by God's will. Yeah. You know, be a willingness <laughs> to be surprised. Yeah. I, that to me is 
you know, Pope Francis talks about this a lot, but, but that, that uh, an openness, because God is surprising mm-hmm. and, and our a sort of fear of surprises is one of our biggest obstacles sometimes yeah. to him and to his will. Because you have no control over it. Exactly, right. And, 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 and surprises <laughs> come in all different shapes and forms, you know. Yeah. And like uh, I remember, and you kind of was saying every moment being Eucharistic, yeah. you know, like hidden behind the veil is something, is a gift and that you know uh, someone's kind of another way of saying this someone yeah. told me a lot of times we avoid god's gifts because we don't like the wrapping paper mm. mm-hmm. you know yeah. but it, but sometimes that's it he he wraps it that way <laughs> because the surprise is all the better yeah you know so i, I think that that's a big thing too like a, uh, the a season of singleness is kind yeah. of maybe like a a cultivation of being surprised yeah. you know by god and his providence and and opening, reopening ourselves up to that. But I like what you said too, that like, you know, like it's, it's always good. The best, uh, someone told me this, the best thing that could ever happen to somebody is failure, you know, uh, and especially at a young age, but you were saying, you know, like rejection is such a good thing for us to cultivate a a tenacity and a spirit of perseverance. And I, (laughs) I have a buddy and he's like, he, you know, I don't know if a lot of y'all guys friends are like that, but like I've I've hung out with a few people recently. Like they're just scared to get rejected nowadays. Like, right. um, I mean, I guess we all have it, but like I feel like it's heightened even more. Like, no, I'm, I'm just gonna DM her. Yeah, she's right point. here. Yeah. <laughs> like she's right here, and she's gonna be here again next Saturday. Like, talk to her. Yeah. Yeah, she don't want me. Well, go find out. She don't want you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, um, I think that's a whole nother topic. Like masculinity like you know like i think um that's something we we kind of lost a little bit mm-hmm. you know um we yeah. we we i feel like you know you don't get a lot of likes you get rejected like it hurts people's core identity instead of like showing them like that's true manhood like you you stand in the gap for that woman so she doesn't have to feel the brunt of the rejection Okay, she ghosted you. Get over it. Yeah, less she left you on red. Oh well, <laughs> you know, like it hurts things, but you know, that's our job as men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I would say, like in the single, in a season of singleness as men, like you, you have to come cultivate like this thick skin. Uh, and I think it will only help you as a husband and a father one day as well. Mm-hmm. And I think it's being being confident in your identity as a son of God. That's that gives you the, the courage yeah the the security and the stability to like be okay with when a girl says no yeah, i'm not yeah. interested in going on a date and instead of being like it's because i'm ugly it's because you know yeah. it's because of this thing or this thing bringing up all your insecurities instead you're secure and knowing that like it's not necessarily because of my looks it might just be that time period in that person's life it, it it's not necessarily because i you know am not the most athletic it's right. like that girl had her own reasons, and it's not necessarily because of all of these things that I'm insecure about. It was just her decision, and that's okay. And her hey. loss. Hey, hey, man, for the people in the back. And her, her loss. loss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a great guy. <laughs> <coughs> Says myself. <laughs> I'm perfect. Uh, no, that's. <laughs> I'm kidding. No. No, you're not. Yeah, and I, and to go back to what you're saying, like, 
like knowing who you are, right, helps you overcome those rejections, helps you have the courage to go get rejected. I was reading a book and they say like some of the strongest marriages are two people that can remain single. Mm. Think about that. So some of the strongest marriages are two people that can remain single in a sense of they both know they need time to rejuvenate themselves. Mm. They both have their own singular hobbies, right? And they both continue to chase after each other throughout the marriage, right? Like when I say single, like they're not, they're still pursuing one another, right? And they're still pursuing God mm-hmm. outside of themselves being together as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if that makes sense, but like no, I just thought that was very profound when I heard that. Some of the most healthiest marriages are two people that are remaining single yeah. in, in a sense. It's a, it goes to our, the, our original solitude. Come you on, know? somebody. Yeah. Yeah, go so, ahead. So, well, it's, it's <laughs> you know, the, the theology of the yeah. body. You know, that's one of the things that JP2 talks about yeah. is our original solitude and that we always have that stance before him. You know, we're going to have to face him by ourselves. 100%. You know, and so, so like, to be able to do that and enter into a relationship. So it's kind of like, you know, it, you know I was thinking about this. Like, the, the, the single state or the single season is really, like, cultivation of thick skin but an open heart. Yeah. Thanks. You know? Because it's, it's, it's that original, it's that openness to God and to, to his surprises. Yeah. But, but uh, a thicker, uh, an understanding of, like, Hey, you know what? Like, not everybody's gonna like me, you know, and 100%. and not everybody's gonna be drawn, and that's okay. I mean, and yep. this is an experience I even have as a as a priest. As, as a priest you yeah. know, not everybody wants me, right? You know, what I'm saying <laughs> like Facts. to be a priest around them, 100%. you know, yeah. And and that's something that like yeah. you know, I mean, it stings, especially as a young priest. You like want to yeah. be liked by everybody, 100%. but it's just not the case. Yeah. You know, and but it cultivates that thick skin and an, and an open heart because just because this person doesn't mean that I don't have something to offer. Yeah. You know, um, and I think that that's you know a beautiful disposition that God has to cultivate in us and break it down and, and help us. Yeah, and I think sometimes awesome. it's easier than other. Right, like there's seasons where, yes. like you said, like there was a season where you were super strong, you were able to yeah. like stick with adoration and everything, yeah. and it was cool. And then there was a season where like. For some reason, it like it just got really hard, right. and like I think it's just so important to always be so aware of what season we're in. Are we in consolation or desolation? Like yes. understanding like where we're at, because we'll know, you know, who to, to be able to communicate that to the spiritual director. Be like, look, I've been down, yeah. and I know that this is a situation that I would typically kind of like start Fall. falling in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think it, it's always going to take that awareness, regardless of what season you're in. You know. Yeah. We've uh, we've we've spoken a lot about like the rejection on the guy's side, and I, I just kind of wanted to like bring bring to light like the reality for girls who also become victim of the guys uh-huh. who 100%. win them over just to leave them. Yeah. Like the chase is over. Yeah. You know, like I don't feel passion or desire about this anymore because I've captured your heart. You know, and and the reality that girls have to go through with that yeah. too. You know, like mm-hmm. like deep brokenheartedness in that, and uh, and to call guys higher in that, and to and to also like just I, I don't know how much I could speak into that, you know, but but I don't know if you have any thoughts, just from a girl's perspective too. We've spoken a lot about yeah, from the guy point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's sad, but I just when I do my retreats and I have like the girl talking, the guy talk, I. I <laughs> Understand this. I'm prefaces. I don't mean this completely. I just tell them like, be mean, <laughs> not be mean, but like you know, like um, really like, 
you know, the Bible says test everything, you know, and, and, you know, before you can get your heart broken, like, test the man. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. I didn't say manipulate and play games. Yeah. Again, I did not say manipulate and play games. Yeah. <laughs> I said test the man, you know. You know, see, like, you know, if you don't text him, does he, how long does it take for him to text, text you back? Like, bring him around your friends, you know. See how he interacts. How does he treat his mom? How does he treat other girls around his friend group? How does he treat his best friend's girlfriend and, and things like that? So, like, test the man before he gets to the point where he captures your heart and then walks away, right? Um, and But then to the ones that, you know, it happens to all of us, right? The, a person captures your heart and walks away from you to, like, go back to what uh, Reed was saying. Like, remember your identity in Christ that, you know, you were made beautifully, wonderfully good, right, uh, outside of what anyone ever says. You know, I, I know it's cliche things, but I think we have to really remember that you're not even what your wife tells you, you're not even what your husband tells you. You are who God tells you you are. You know what I mean? Uh, that even your wife and your husband in the future are still broken men and women and that, uh, their understanding of you is still not your uh, true identity. You know, your true identity is a, a son and daughter of God and what he says about you and who you are and, and what he's created you to be. Um, and, like, I, I, was, I would say, like, for, for the ladies, um, I think the best tools for ladies to, to have is to know, to know men better. I know that sounds weird, but I don't think our – I'm not going to say that. I don't think there's enough information – out there for women to truly understand how different we are. I think they know we're different, but I don't think they realize truly how profoundly different we think and see things outside of them. Like, not like very different, you know, like understand that a man sometimes would rather respect more than love. Uh, like, like what does a word of affirmation do for a man? Uh, what does like a small word of affirmation and a touch on his shoulder do for men? Because a, a lot of guys desire physical touch. Like just uh, equip them women better uh, to understand who we are as men, um, and how do they do that? I mean, I'm not sure. There's books and and, but like speaking to their dads, speaking to men that they trust and they look up to, and truly, truly for the, y'all, ask them the hard questions. You know, dad, how do you feel love? Unc, how do you feel love? Like, what was hard? You know, what does mom do to that makes you feel really good about yourself? Or I know these are weird, tough questions to ask, but I think uh, I know for me and my journey with my friends. Um, that and I guess it's a two-way street, but I just I think there's some like there's a situation in my life right now where one of my friends and his girlfriend are going through like a separation or a break, where she doesn't think he cares because there's no external showing. Well, he's in the military, boo. <laughs> like it has nothing to do with that. He cares, but he's learned to compartmentalize it because of men are able to compartmentalize, like biologically and uh, physiology, like we are able to compartmentalize better than y'all. It has nothing to do with you or how he may even really feel about you. Um, I, that's a lot of information <laughs> to answer that question. But I think that, you know, I don't know. I think that could be some fruits there for, uh, for some girls. I think that's a great point. These are two things that I see. I think girls tend to have like a misunderstanding about guys. Number one is that guys, like the only thing that they want is physical intimacy. Or they yep. misconstrue that, at least. Yep. You know, what that, what that physical, that desire for physical intimacy really is. <clears throat> that it's just an objectification or just a sexual right. drive that's motivating it. So that's number one. And number two is that guys don't have insecurities or, or that they're, they're so aloof to their insecurities <laughs> that they... They're not aware of them, and they think that that uh, most guys are just 
just uh, choose to not believe in right. the fact that they have insecurities. I mean, the reality that I've seen is that, no, I mean, like, like girls have a tremendous impact on building up guys oh. and they're in, in the places where they are most 100%. insecure. Um, and that also that, that the desire that men have, men do have a, a desire for physical intimacy, but it's also, it's also a drive to protect. It's Correct. also a drive to, to, you know, bring security and, and, and that, that is not just a, a sexual drive that's always perverted, Correct. you know? Those are two things that I think I've seen a lot of women kind of misconstrue that about guys. Um, and they, they're kind of, kind of like, you know, a lot of times women want to find that chink in the armor. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, that's where I'm going to get him. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, like that's where he's going to be attached. You know, that's where he's, I'll, I'll, he won't let me go. Um, but to see that, that like, um, how, what, what a woman can do to bring out the very best in a man you know, I think is, is, is a different kind of perspective on, you know, a, an approach. I don't know if I'm making sense. Yeah. But. Yeah. I feel like, um, it's important for both, um, genders to like understand the beauty and the, yeah, the natural beauty of the other gender, you know, facts. Like we need to like men needs to constantly be learning. Cause I mean, honestly, like, you know, yeah. I've gone through a lot of men's talks and, you know, like men's sessions, and like it always, it almost always was very impactful, hitting the heart of what it means to be masculine. Right. But like, before you know, dating Leah, who's you know had a lot of education about femininity and the the feminine genius. It's like yeah. I didn't really know anything about the difference between 100%. us. I just started you know resonating with what they were saying about guys, yeah. and uh, and you know so yeah. So I had to start learning what it meant, like listening to Brene Brown and. Some other people who would like would talk about you know the beauty the beauty within uh, the feminine heart and um, and the yeah women should do the same thing like learning that guys need to be a little wild that like guys need to be yeah. challenged that you know these different things that that guy that kind of fires up guys even if they don't you know say it money like and I think that's what it boils down to we need to stop being in competition with each other we got to start truly learning one another and not trying to make you more like me and me more like you. Yeah. Just respecting the differences, respecting the complementary nature that God created us, right? And it, it's true. Like, And there was a lady uh, that actually, she's a caregiver for my, my grandmother, and she was like, yeah, I grew up with, a, with six other boys, and they would just like punch me, put me in headlocks, and like, she's like, but I think that's just a guy thing because my, my, my friend has two, two uh, sons and they do the same thing with each other i was like yeah that's in our nature that's who we like how god created us to be like we innately just want to do that why i i can't explain it to you we just want to put people in headlocks when we're young and we want to fight <laughs> and want to do like wrestling moves on each other you <laughs> know like, what yeah. i mean like we want to do getting pumped up right <laughs> you know like we're we getting excited headlock. like look i'm talking more with my hands now i'm getting more animated like i can't help it like i'm thinking like doing the smackdown on you right here like no but like there's a, but like we don't need to be like no, no stop doing that no mm-hmm. no we, no we can govern it we don't want you to stop being like no. that and yeah. we want girls to be <laughs> oh don't push me okay good yeah you, you want to be more that's awesome yeah you're more nurturing you're more compassionate you're more empathetic great you can draw that out of us as men mm-hmm. uh, and i think that's the key like you know for for the girls you know like to you know to you know how they said that you know like the 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 standard of civilization will fall on like the dignity of the women or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot that quote or something. And like 
I think women need to understand how much power they do have. Mm -hmm. um, I used to joke with them. I said, you know, you you can keep telling, you know, especially when it comes like we're, we're such in a very sexualized culture. Like uh, I keep telling them, you tell a guy no, 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 no. Only the right one's gonna stay. <laughs> like you know, that in that regard, you know, in, in the in the vein of like purity and, and whatnot, mm -hmm. um, and that you have that power to raise men up mm -hmm. by the standards you set within yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but they, but again, to understand us better as well, because um, we are we are different. Mm -hmm. We are different. Um, you have to. Uh, the way you love your girlfriend is not the way you're gonna, gonna gonna love us. The way you make your girlfriend feel good, like your girlfriend, like when I say girlfriend, like a girl, like sister friend, you know, uh, the way you build her up, it's not in the same way in which you can build us up. Uh, it's different, but it's okay. Yeah. But I think I think women need to understand that, and men need to understand mm -hmm. that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, uh, this has been a great conversation. I, I hope I hope it's proves helpful. It's been helpful for me, and just kind of like how to guide people and and continue to help people especially in that in that state of of in between but j just recognizing you know that god still has a plan for their life you know so really appreciate you being with us dustin man no thank y'all yeah. this was fun man kingdom of priest baby that's, yeah, it. Thank <laughs> yeah, that's you, it all right well god bless and keep tuning in